Hi guys, welcome to the Ida Azlin show. I'm Ida and I'm recording this with half my voice gone, but fret not my enthusiasm for this show is still 100% on. The show must go on and what a show we have for you this week because joining me is the beautiful, the brave, the ball of energy that is Sulim. Sulim is a single mom of four, a certified Pilates instructor, she's a content creator, and she's also a Lululemon ambassador. This episode was an emotional one for me because as I listened through Sulim's story on her reversion to Islam, her experience with polygamy, her eventual divorce, but also how all of this shaped the strong woman that she is today. By the end of the conversation, my respect for Sulim increased a millionfold and it definitely made me fall in love with her even more. Throughout retelling her difficult story, she maintained her grace, but she was also very brave and vulnerable enough to be real with us and for that, I appreciate it a lot. I think all of us can learn from Sulim's story and I can't wait for you guys to listen in. But before we jump in, here's a special dedication to AA+, the proud sponsor for this week's episode and also the premium membership platform that my team and I have proudly created to help you feel more spiritually, mentally and emotionally connected every day. It's a good for your soul, easy on the pocket membership program for the constantly curious and it's packed full of awesome content that inshallah will help you be closer to being your best version of yourself and we would love for you to check us out. Simply head on over to aaplus.co, not .com, just co to get started and I look forward to sharing with you a lot more good stuff over there. But for now, on to my heart-to-heart with Sulim. Editor, take it away. Hi guys, welcome to another episode of The Ida Azlin Show and today with me is Sulim. Hi, <laughs> how are you? Thanks for having me. No problem. So Sulim, before we start the interview proper, I just want to say that thank you so very much for opening up your home, for just doing this like straight in, like without even having any prior proper introduction. No problem. I actually feel Super honored that you asked me. Um, one of the things that I've been told, and I think it has been proven to be true, is of your energy. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and I think part of it, like we're just talking about, is is you being an instructor, right? Yeah, I am a Pilates instructor. Exactly. Yeah. So for people who know you, they know that you are a Pilates instructor. But what is like your official bio slash like byline? Like, how do you introduce yourself? I, I actually say, hi, I'm Sulim and I am a Pilates instructor. Nice. Yeah. So, yeah, I've been teaching Pilates for a while. I've actually been doing Pilates myself for oh, it's like a, over a decade. And that wow. all started um, because I had kids. I was like a gym junkie before. I had kids and I found that it was even harder to go to the gym yeah. and like less motivating because, you know, it's hard to get out there to the gym when you have kids in the house and stuff. So then I actually started following um, at the time, whatever videos I can get a hold of. On YouTube, you mean? Yeah, on YouTube. But back in the day, about 10 years ago, YouTube was still just about starting. Mm-hmm. So there were not many videos, but whatever I got a hold of, I absolutely loved it. I got into whatever classes I could get into. Too. Mm-hmm. and um yeah i'm here now now you are the instructor yeah <laughs> do you plan to have a youtube channel on your own to have your exercise up there you know what everyone keeps asking yeah. me that inshallah maybe you should um, do it yeah everyone keeps asking me yeah so when i'm back in morocco i can take a sulim class you know yeah. <laughs> no physical yeah, boundaries but it there. is it is um it is a lot harder than people think because i don't use, i'm sure yeah it's a lot about the spine it's a lot about posture so um, you need to be there to check right yeah yeah but then i always encourage doing it at home anyways mm. so it is different from yoga though yoga is more stretching and pilates is more strength training i actually love pilates really yeah i do take a few classes i'll do yoga if i just want to like not 
too intense like like you say stretching right, right. and then you'll hear like my bones cracking and stuff oh, that's the good stuff yeah <laughs> but then pilates i feel like i always get a good sweat like definitely. after the class definitely yeah, yeah it's it, definitely inner core mm. there yeah okay before this gets into a, like a <laughs> fitness, fitness. <laughs> <laughs> podcast i want to talk about your ethnicity oh okay because you're in malaysia but you're not Malaysian, you're American. Yeah, it's so confusing. I get confused myself. <laughs> but you're half Cambodian? Yes. So, not half, but I'm part... Uh, that's that's like another... We ha- we probably need like five podcasts for myself. <laughs> um, okay, so it starts off as my parents originally are Chinese. Okay. But they lived in Cambodia. Okay. They moved over to the States and I was born in the States. So I am technically, yes, they are partly Cambodian, but not half. Just um, part. Yeah. Okay. Um, They actually don't know themselves because I think back in the day, they don't really keep track of things like that. Mm. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure I am part because people do look at me and they're like, no, you're not full Chinese, are you? Like, you know, so I am. Have you ever tried a DNA test? You know what? Yeah, I should. You should. I should. It'd be so interesting. Yeah, it'd be interesting and a bit I don't know why, but I get like scared doing to it. Know I, yeah, yeah. Truth. I don't know why. I don't know why. Dun, dun, will, dun. I, will I still be Sulim if I yeah. know what percentage? <laughs> yes, definitely. But um, no, I will always be Sulim. No, but <laughs> <laughs> um, so yes, Chinese, part Cambodian, and I was born and raised in America. Mm-hmm. Which part of America do you remember? Yeah, I was actually raised there my whole life. Um, oh. I was born in Hawaii. And I was basically raised mainly in San Francisco, California. Okay. So how did you end up in Malaysia? So around my 20s, I converted. Um, And when I converted, I thought to myself, okay, wouldn't it be nice to live in a Muslim country? At that same time, I happened to um, get married to another convert. Uh, so I didn't convert to get married. People always ask me that. Mm-hmm. So I, I converted myself I, okay. I did, I, on my own um, will. And um, we both thought it would be nice to go and live in a Muslim country where everything is halal. Uh, there's masjids everywhere. So we thought it would be an interesting um, adventure. So we decided to move here for like, I don't know, two years. We gave ourselves two years. How uh, young were you? I was around 21, 22 at that time. Young. I just had a baby. I oh. just had a baby. Yusuf. Yeah, Yusuf, which is, he's now almost 14. Mashallah. Um, I just had a baby and I thought, okay, let's let's just, I only have one child. Let's just adventure off into this mysterious Unknown. Muslim country, which was a scary thing because I had no idea what Malaysia was like. I mean, it was just um, literally, I closed my eyes and went. And back then there wasn't like any Google no. or YouTube yeah. thing where you can like Malaysia vlog like or anything. No. There's... No, no, no prior no. research whatsoever. Because no, remember, that was about 13 years ago. It was different. Mm. Technology was different. Yeah. Mm. So before we go into that story, see, like you said, five podcasts. <laughs> five, maybe six. Content. We choose five for some uh, odd numbers. I'm really interested <laughs> in your conversion story because you say you converted on your own. You're living in San Francisco. How did you even catch a whiff of the religion like i probably i now looking back at it i had little signs from allah that he was introducing me to islam so mm-hmm. i think around i started when i was 16 i started meeting muslims i was good friends with these muslims they were fasting they didn't drink i had no idea what that meant you know i never <laughs> met somebody that never drank and fasted you know but as i grew up i started getting more familiar with the religion um around the age of 18 I had a friend who was Muslim. He was a Moroccan friend. Moroccan. Yeah. He had introduced, he, I mean, he himself at the time he was telling me, well, I'm not very religious. I don't pray. I don't fast and stuff, but I do believe in God. Mm -hmm. And then he told me about Islam, um, the oneness of Allah. He told me about um, what, you know, Muslims believe in, why they fast, why they pray. And um, it always stuck to me. And whatever he knew, which at the time he told me, I don't know very much, but this is what I know. Whatever he told me, it just stuck. And he actually asked me, as a friend, Sue, can you go home tonight? And can you just pray to whatever God you know? Can you just pray to him and just say, God, if you exist, can you just show me? Aww. So I did that because he was my friend. And What's he his asked name? Me to, uh, Hussein. Do you still keep in touch? We did, yeah. We we kept in touch, yep. Hussein. He's still in... Morocco? Uh, actually, he's a dentist in Canada now. Oh, yeah. mashallah. Okay, so 
you went home that night, you prayed. I prayed. And then from there on, I just, I don't know. I just had little signs. Like um, I had many signs. I can't even, it's it one of those all. things. It was my own journey. And um, it's hard to explain in words. I can I literally, I can picture it. And I probably can make a movie out of it. I don't know, but it's just hard to, it's hard to explain in words how Allah guided, sh- you. guided me. Yeah. Mm. I remember I had an Afghani friend. I mean, we weren't that close, but gosh, like what I do remember about him was that guy prayed everywhere we went. Mm. Again, I didn't know what it meant to be a Muslim. I didn't know what it meant to pray five times a day. All I knew was this guy was a Muslim everywhere we went. Whether we were clubbing, <laughs> whether we Seriously. were in a dance place, like, you know, wherever he stopped to pray. Interesting. And I was always like, that's so interesting. What, how this dedication that this guy had, and he never told me anything about Islam, but his actions, just being kind, just praying, just fasting. He never told me anything, but just my observation was like, wow, mashallah, like that's real dedication right there. When you can um, just stop, stop and pray whatever anywhere. you're doing. Yeah. And, pray, yeah. and, and in the States, it's a bit different from Malaysia. They don't have surrounds. Obviously, yeah. Uh, so you... Go to staircases. You, you staircases, the park, you, you, you know, you pray wherever you can, wherever there is um, space. You, that's where you pray. That's so interesting. So because of all these people in your life that Allah placed in your life, you sort of like slowly kind of saw signs. Yeah, saw signs. And eventually, I think this Moroccan friend of mine followed me. Uh, no, no, sorry, he didn't follow me. <laughs> He's not stalker. He... <laughs> <laughs> he he always kept in touch with me and mm. he would one day, I think he just asked me, are you ready to convert? And then um, I said, yes, because I didn't think it was a big deal because at the time I studied nutrition on top of it. Okay. And when I studied nutrition at that time, I didn't know what dates was, for example. Yeah. I, 10, 10 years ago, it wasn't scientific. Like, I mean, it, I'm sure it was scientific, but I didn't really know much about dates i learned through nutri- my nutrition class how nutritious it was and in islam yeah, like you it's know like a big thing. it's like a big thing yeah. yeah so that was one of them another thing was fasting um when i studied nutrition they were saying fasting is really good for you mm. islam says fasting you should it's fast good, yeah. yeah so there were a lot of little things like that for example and now intermittent fasting is like the trendy thing yeah right yeah, yeah 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 I understand. Okay, so it's very interesting how like you can connect the dots now and how like yeah. So I definitely you. Yeah, I definitely was not one of those that fall in love with a guy. Yeah, that okay, that too. And also, I hear a lot of stories when you know when I read the Quran, it just I just felt it. So I was so not like that when I read the Quran. I was like, what is that? So don't get it. (laughs) I didn't get it. I, you know, I didn't really connect with the Quran. Mm -hmm. I connected it with Islam scientifically. Got it. Yeah. That's great. Mm -hmm. That's great. I think different people connect with the religion in very different ways. Right, right. And for some people, the more spiritual aspects like the Quran and like the Sufism or anything connected more to them. But you connected in more like, oh my God, this makes sense. Yes. Like I studied about this nutrition. It was connected the dots A, connects to B, connects to C, Mm. etc. Yeah. So how did your parents react to this? They were so not happy. <laughs> they were just like, I didn't really tell them, but they noticed that I was getting more picky on my meat. Mm. They noticed that I was getting more uh, particular on, you know, like that I kept going to a room, okay. you know, because I was I had to pray, yeah. right? I kept going, you know, at that time I didn't live with my parents, so I would go to a room and say I would take a nap. Mm. And my parents are thinking, you're taking a lot of naps. Are you okay? Uh-huh. You know, um, actually I was praying. And then um, when did you come clean? When I came clean was when I came to Malaysia and they had to see me in a hijab. <laughs> oh, dun, dun, dun. That was like the worst. That so, was like their worst nightmare. So even when you got married and everything, they had no idea. No, they, well, they roughly knew. Um, they kind of guessed. Yeah. So to them, it was like, oh my God, why, why do you want to become Arab? <laughs> not Bless Muslim them. but why why do you want to become Arab but then when I moved to Malaysia they're like oh my god why do you want to become Malay <laughs> um, it was so hard because they're not educated mm-hmm. so it was really hard to explain. tell yeah to explain to them that I'm still Chinese 
but just a Muslim now. Mm. And they were just like mind blown because they're like, no, you're not Chinese no more. You don't eat pork. <laughs> and I was like, you sound like fresh off the boat. <laughs> but that's what they sound like. Um, yeah, I was like, you don't eat pork. You're not Chinese. And I was like, but I'm still Chinese. But they wouldn't accept me. They wouldn't accept me. Um, I think the only reason why we still connected and we still kept in touch was the fact that um, I had kids. Mm, the grandchildren. Yeah. Because like uh, most parents, you know, what, regardless uh, how they agree or disagree with their um, kids, they still, the minute they have grandchildren, they dote on them. Yeah. I mean, they still don't like the fact that I'm Muslim. They still tell me not to raise my kids Muslims. Um, mm. They still don't like it that I wear a hijab. Um, but again, they... After they, all these years. Yeah. After all these years, after... Thir- 14 years. No, 15 years now. So, but they're still in the States or in Malaysia? They're still in the States. Okay. Um, they live in San Francisco and still. And um, distance is very good for us. <laughs> uh, I, I, growing up, I never really got along with my parents because of our cultural differences. Mm-hmm. I was born an American, raised as an American. They never understood that. So yes, Fresh Off the Boat and Kim's Convenience from Netflix totally relate to me. <laughs> um, I just have... The connection is not there. They don't get me. I don't get them. And um, it, it was basically a, such a battle growing up. Mm-hmm. And then me being a Muslim was, made it even worse, worse, which I thought it was going to actually distance us even more. But in fact, it actually brought us closer together. They don't know that. But it's because the fact that Islam teaches how to respect our parents yeah. and why we should respect our parents yeah. made me give a little bit of an insight of, oh gosh, I should really treat my parents Parents much better. Mm. And because now I'm a mother myself, I get them. Mm. I get what they went through. I get why they would sacrifice certain things for me. Um, Yeah. yeah. I'm sure all parents are just looking out for their children. Yes, they were definitely looking out for me. Yeah, and they were just thinking like, okay, my daughter becoming an Arab slash Malay, this is not going to be good for her. No, yeah, they thought it was a cult. Um, A cult? Yeah, they thought... (laughs) Yeah, they thought all sorts. They were trying to figure it out. They're still trying to figure it out because mm-hmm. every now and again, you know, when the kids aren't looking, my dad will be whispering to me and they'll be like, take that, take that, um, what does he say? Uh, take that face mask off. He calls it a face mask. I don't know. I had, I had, he doesn't call it a, a scarf or anything. He, he just, just call it a face mask. Uh, yeah. In, in, um, so I'm Tichu. Okay. Yeah. So he, he says it in Tichu or Hokkien, um, Baoming, like oh, meaning like don't, don't uh, cover your head, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you convert it and then how old are you? You're like 20? Yes. 20. Yes. I was super young. Super young. And I had my kids super young too. So I was 21 when I had my child. So 20 when you converted, it was also 20 when you got married. Okay, let me talk. 20 converted, 21 I got married. Okay, sorry, yeah, 22 around. You got your first Mm -hmm. son, Yusuf. Yeah. Okay, and by 22, you're already in Malaysia. 22, 23, yeah, around there. It's all a blur now. (laughs) I've got four kids. I can't remember anything anymore. (laughs) Okay, so I think for people who know you who have known your story, they'll know that you're you're no longer with your husband. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and you were very brave in sharing your story. How did you decide that? Okay, I think I'll, I'll let you tell the story. Okay. I'll, I'll let you tell the story first and then I'll, I'll <laughs> bombard you with my questions. Okay, so let's backtrack. I moved to Malaysia. I'm thinking, hey, it's so amazing. I'm in another country. How exciting wrong first two years i was so depressed oh my god i was same. homesick you yeah when it, i right? moved to morocco i was like what is this country yeah, total culture shock yeah malaysia is not a bad country honestly it's just not but i was just not expecting what i, Ex- I experienced yeah, yeah like i just i was just culture shocked and i was so depressed i wanted to go back home mm-hmm. first two years I just asked my husband, I want to go back home. I want to go back home. And he was like, give it a chance, give it a chance. He loved it here. He he got a job straight away and you didn't? Well, he opened up a business and he really, he loved it. I I just, I was so depressed. I missed, I actually missed my family. Mm. You know, I actually missed my parents. The people that I never got along with, I actually missed (laughs) them. That's how bad it was. No, but um, I I missed everything about home. And um, when he finally told me, listen, okay, in two years, we'll move. Mm-hmm. be patient two years came around 
he said, listen, I need to stay here because the business is doing well. Okay, fine. A little bit longer, a little bit longer. Five years into the marriage, he tells me one day he got a second wife. Oh, so already got a second wife? Yeah. He, he wasn't already, like he asking already, you for permission or anything? No, he pretended he asked me for permission, but like he... <laughs> Technically, he was just trying to tell me uh, that he got he just got a second wife. Yeah. And uh, I was obviously very devastated. Um, I think any woman would when their husband gets a second wife behind their backs. Um, I was devastated. I wanted to go back home. I was just mortified. Mm -hmm. Um, And by then you already have four children, right? No, I had two at that time. Oh, I know. I got busy. (laughs) Um, I, I was... I don't know what it was. People ask me all the time what I, after this, I stuck around for another six years with mm. him. People kept asking me why, why knowing the fact that he got a second wife behind your back, why did you still stay in the marriage? Was it for the children? It partly was for the children. It was partly, it was a combination for the children. It was partly because I didn't know how to go back home to tell my family that my husband got a second wife. I, it was a bit of a pride thing. Mm. I didn't know how to, I, you know, at this point I had um, financially relied on him for about five years. Yeah. I didn't know how to really do things, do things on your by own. myself, especially with two kids. I also, one big thing was that I had hope. I had hope that this was mm. just a phase and that he's going to get over it and he's going to divorce the other girl and things will come back. Mm. people ask me why did you get a second wife i don't know this is something that every guy it's a personal thing for the guy you know they either want to get a second wife for the i mean i I actually noticed something converts they tend to be excited about this because you know they're just like ooh, four wives yeah but then people who actually live through it they're like oh my god four wives that's such a nightmare because they know what it really takes correct the responsibility, the responsibility and everything. Yeah, a sidetrack mm. in the Middle East is actually a website. Like you know how you have Tinder to meet guys and girls. Right. Like in the Middle East, they actually have an app where you can find a second wife. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I know it's horrible, and it's like a lunch conversation. Oh between, no! Yeah, between Arab men. I guess I'm not surprised, but at the same time, it's like. I've heard this so many times. Like I, I hear that, you know, men, I think they, they go on Tinder and they actually say, yeah, I've got another wife, but I'm still looking for a second. You know, it, it happens. Yeah. Sorry. So gross. <laughs> I don't know if I can do this episode without like being... <laughs> barfing? Don't, just be careful. My couch is white. So. <laughs> Not barfing, but like, you know, I consider myself to be good at like being politically correct. But when it comes to like... Second wife. Second wife and, you know, being a married woman, I'm just like, no, I don't go for that thing. Definitely. Definitely. It was definitely hard. And you, as you can imagine, I didn't grow up this way. I didn't grow up remotely thinking that my husband was ever going to get a second wife. Mm. So about, I don't know, I lived through it for six years. I stayed for the kids. I stayed hoping that he'd leave the girl. Got pregnant two more times after that. Partially, okay, I will admit to this, partially, and this happens to women all the time, because I thought that Having another child was going to make him make stay. It better. Yeah, mm-hmm. was going to make it better and he was going to... But women always think that. Women always think, maybe if I have a child, my relationship will be better. Mm. Uh, can I correct everybody on this podcast and say, no, having children does not make your relationship better. Mm. We are who we are and um, ha- bringing another child in the world does not solve anything. Any, mm. Yeah. But regardless, saying that, best thing that ever happened was your to four get, children. Yeah, my four kids. Um, they really kept me strong without knowing it because during the time that was in this pollution. Yeah, how do you even explain like when your husband went home? At the time, my kids were younger. So it was easy to tell them that the, he had to go to work. Mm. Um, I didn't really admit to all that until maybe... So I was in denial for the first few years that he got a second wife. Every other day he would go to this woman's house. And um, I was just sinking. I was just depressed. My confidence was super low. Um, I didn't know what to do. I was a bit, first few years I was just in denial disgusted and just I'm sure anger came into the picture as well yeah of course like I don't think I've ever been so angry jealous 
um gosh everything everything you can possibly imagine times that by a thousand oh that's what i was going through and it was just hard because i had my kids on the side and i just had to take care of the kids on top of it. i was stay-at-home mom did, did you tell this to friends like well yeah this is like probably the first thing that happened when i found out i just told my friends this is what he did and um i needed their support yeah. because whether they thought it was right or not i needed a shoulder to cry on yeah yeah I don't know what I'll do. Yeah, you're thinking about it now, aren't you? Yeah, yeah I, I don't think during those six years I knew I knew what I was going to do. Um, the minute I got a divorce, um, it was hard because the last few years of it, I just decided, no, I cannot do this anymore. The fact that I was also kind of religiously bullied, I feel like. Now yeah. that I think about it, I was, at that time I didn't know it, but I was religiously bullied. They always use that card, right? Yes. Like if Allah has allowed it, then why aren't you like... Yes, you are not a believer when you don't allow this. Yeah. You're not a believer when you're depressed about it. All mm -hmm. sorts of things. I was questioning all myself so a lot. I'm so angry for you. Yeah. <laughs> I was very angry. I was a very angry person. I... People do ask me, actually, like, how is it that you're still a Muslim? Like, how is it that you still keep the hijab on? When I think back about everything, I think prayers were the only thing I was holding on to. Prayers? Yeah. Because I just didn't know what else to do. I didn't know what else to do. And I I didn't miss my prayer because I was thinking that maybe the next prayer Allah will answer me. Mm. So, yes, every prayer that I did, I actually hoped that Allah would just answer. Tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. I was, I remember just mourning and crying to Allah just tell me what to do I just don't know what to do because I didn't know whether to go home I didn't know whether to, I didn't know whether to run away I was just I just wanted to actually die because I was just so upset that I was living in such see this is something that I was kind of reluctant to share was the fact that not only that he got a second wife but I was also very I was bullied and I was abused verbally, physically, mentally in the mm. relationship. I, 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 I get reluctant to share that part just because I, I do try to respect his side. But I also at the same time do want to share the fact that uh, awareness, because yeah. at that time I was not aware of what I was going through. I was just like, no, no, no. I need to do everything for the sake of Allah. I need to make Allah happy. I want to go to Jannah. That's what in my mind going through all that that's what i was i was thinking mm. i just want to make allah happy i just don't want allah to be upset with me i don't want karma to happen you know mm. i don't want bad things to happen to me nor the kids therefore i just i just want to do what makes allah happy and he told me he told me allah will only be happy if you stay in this marriage oh man so then i was like okay i'll stay in the marriage you know but what happened was i think after some counseling after a lot of reflections and trying to fight through everything. I want to say there were a few things that actually made me go, you know, a light bulb came and yeah. says, you know, I need to, I need to leave this marriage was a few incidents. Um, maybe one was the fact that one time I was just, you know, I was being beaten up and then my son caught it at the time. Oh. He was eight. That was one of turning points. Mm -hmm. And another turning point was uh, when my friends, they actually knew that I was getting abused. But they never really said anything because they, It's such a sensitive slash yeah. taboo yeah. topic to talk because, about. Because like they knew. And you know, as somebody that gets is is being abused, you think you're so smart. Um, and you no one's going to find out when you cover up your bruises with makeup. Mm. Or like you hide for... Like, you know, because I, as you can see, I'm... I'm quite an extrovert. <laughs> and uh, when I disappear off for like four or five days, there's something wrong. My friends knew there's something wrong. There were some friends that were just like, Sue, I cannot do this anymore. I cannot be your friend if you're going to stay in this marriage. Mm -hmm. I cannot see you being beaten up again. And there were some friends that would stay quiet and just hold on and just make dua for me that I would just leave the marriage which know? which friend do you appreciate more like i'm just thinking if my friend were to go through the same thing i don't know how to react i know i probably this is the billion dollar <laughs> question honestly because u.s dollar yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> <not ringgit. laughs> um it's it's such a hard 
thing. People ask me, listen, my friend's getting abused. What do I do? And honestly, sometimes you just have to gauge people react in different ways. You know, there's a perfect time for a perfect situation, you know, and and this is something that you have to gauge. Some days it might be a good time to tell this person this is not the right, this is not the way marriage should be. be. Uh, some days you shouldn't tell them that. Just keep quiet and be yeah, there for them. Yeah, and be fair for them. Um, now that I think back, I'm like, I appreciated both of them just equally. I mean, mm. I, I understand both of their sides. Understand. I'm glad you spoke about this because I feel like even the term that you brought up, religious bullying. Yes. Yeah, it's something that has to be spoken about. There's a few times where I get emails or DMs from women who will tell me like, you know, their husband um, abused them mentally, verbally, physically, and mm-hmm. like what to do. And, and they, they sometimes apologize. they don't recognize it though. Mm. Sometimes they, like I didn't recognize it. So, I so didn't Sometimes know. they think they deserve it. Yeah, sometimes they think they deserve it. Sometimes they think, oh, you know, my husband's just looking out for me. So, you know, I should listen to what he says because, you know, he's he's the role model of the yeah, house. You know, the things like the that. House. Yeah, but we also forget that when we get into a marriage, we, we're marrying a partner. We're not marrying someone that's higher above us yeah the girl's not higher than the guy the guy's not higher than the girl we are marrying a partner to help us get to jenna not to play against us yeah so when we um marry someone we have to know the difference like in my case someone's telling me that you know allah's not happy with me allah doesn't like what i'm doing allah doesn't like that i'm complaining who's who are you to say that allah's not happy with me yeah you're not allah yeah but if he were to say something like you know inshallah let's make dua together doing things together religiously that's that's partnership yeah yeah people don't recognize that um and i think especially women and this is why people that are non-muslims they think that um, we are oppressed yeah that women are oppressed i don't think the religion itself oppresses women i think it's the people mm. i think it's it's the sorry men the men <laughs> but this also it's 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 also included the fact that the way they were raised you know cuz i know in my culture chinese um some men are you know, um, they are put on a pedestal compared mm. to women. Like the sun is always Yeah, the favored. sun can do no wrong. Yeah. yeah. It's very similar to the Arab culture, to be honest. Yeah. Like the sun always gets right. their way. Right. Yeah. But then uh, I guess like nowadays it's different. Like, you know, women and men are equal. Yeah. It's, it's different so changing, in society. Which is yeah. good, alhamdulillah. Mm. So, oh, there's just so many things to digest and process but i i really am thankful and grateful that you you spoke about this because like you said people see you as an extrovert yeah. and you are just like sitting in front of you you are like this bubbly character oh, and you would never have guessed yeah the kind people of people never guess yeah through. i mean i don't share it with the world i i don't share it but because it's not on my platform <laughs> i'll share it because um i don't want it you don't want to be known I, as yeah i'm just at, I'm, I'm in this I'm in this middle bit where I also want to protect my kids' privacy and stuff like that. But I just feel so strongly about this this part because I just don't think anybody deserves to be treated that way. Mm. Um, especially as a convert. I mean, for example, when you're a convert and then you get into a religion and you're super excited and happy about it. And then at the end, like you get religiously bullied. Mm. It's so wrong. And then all of a sudden... Of course, you know, why would anybody want to be a Muslim after and, that? Yeah. And mm. then remember, we have to be an Ummah, right? Yeah. Like, we can't do this to each other. Yeah. So um, I just felt like it needed to be brought up because of the fact that it's such a very sensitive case that we need to talk about. Yeah. Yeah, it shouldn't be swept under the rug. I think it hit a raw spot in me because I'm a married woman. So I don't know if I'm single, I would probably be like, I'll still be affected, but I wouldn't be like, but as you retell but you imagine your, story, your husband, yeah, yeah. As you retell your story, I'm like imagining like, oh my God, what if that Moroccan man? Yeah. <laughs> Are you going to kill him? Are you going to kill? Like I wanted to kill everybody around him, his friends. <laughs> How could you support him to do this? Yeah. You know, like I... I you felt I betrayed. Betrayed. I also felt like Islam betrayed me. I mm. blamed it on the religion. Oh my God! How how can this be allowed? So I actually started doing so much research. I wanted to really know: was it for real? Like, are men really allowed to do this to women? I soon learned that this was obviously, you know, yes. Prophet it's Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam did get like all these multiple wives, but he had reasons for it. I'm not dissing polygamy, but whatever polygamy story I had was not ideal. There are right ways to do things and there are wrong ways to do things. And definitely 
marrying another wife behind your other wife's back is definitely wrong, whether it's soon or not. Yeah, and if you have a noble reason to marry another wife, you should do it in a noble way, yes, not like in a sneaky behind your back. Right, way. right, right. I really want to talk to you about how, you know, after coming out from your marriage and have, going through such a traumatic like experience and the divorce, how did you end up like being the woman that you are today? Strong. Oh, okay. Positive <laughs> and independent. But before I go into that, I feel like it's been such an intense conversation. I just want to play a game with you right now. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so the game is what, who, why, where, how, you know? The okay. four W's and one H. Okay, so first question, what? What's in your fridge right now that shouldn't be in there? Oh, God. Everything. <laughs> because you're a Pilates instructor. So we're assuming that you have a really healthy fridge. Oh, really? Oh, I'm thinking moldy food. <laughs> food that should have been thrown out last week. <laughs> but it's not. So that's what I was thinking. Okay, what is the one maybe quirky thing in your fridge that we wouldn't expect to see in your fridge? I have chocolate in there. Uh-huh. Um, it's for you or for the kids it's for the kids that's why okay. I was like Meh, you know but I have like and it's dark chocolate so it's <laughs> not that evil <laughs> <laughs> okay next question who did you last text um I don't remember <laughs> I think I re- I texted one of my friends okay <laughs> she really can't remember whether <laughs> I do remember I don't, just don't want to say oh <laughs> my friend okay friend. so <laughs> is your children allowed to have phones since you so yes. it's like 14 okay so when I had kids I was always like oh my god I'm never giving my kids phones oh my gosh I would never allow that um okay so there we are um my kids are now 11 and 14 and both of them have phones mm-hmm. partially because of the reason that we are separated uh, half of the time. And it's nice to keep in touch with mm. them. Um, they're not always together. So it's nice to know where they are. It's nice to know how they are. That's mm. how we communicate. Um, as far as, you know, games on the phone and stuff, that is such a challenge because I don't allow it. But, you know, kids are smarter than us. Yeah. They will they always get find their a way. way. Yeah. Exactly. Um, social media. My son is not into social media at all. Mm. But my daughter is getting there and I... Again, once again, I did tell myself I'm never allowing my children to have uh, Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or whatever else is out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but because my kids know I'm on Instagram, it's a they form of, know. yeah, it's kind of a form of them getting in touch with me. Mm-hmm. Like um, they're, they get to be with me without being with me. When mm-hmm. they check out my stories, they know where I went. Mm-hmm. They kind of stalk me. <laughs> so um, yeah. usually it's the other way around. The parents stalk yeah, children. Yeah, this way, it's, it's actually my kids stalking Aww. me. Um, they want to know where I am, what events I went to. And they, then they'll come home. They'll be like, oh, so how was that event? You know, nice. or, oh, how was that class? Or, um, yeah, so... That's kind of a way how I, I keep in touch you with keep them in touch too. With your yeah. children. Okay, why? Why do people do things that they know are bad for them? Sometimes they just want to be a rebel, I guess. I don't a know. A rebel? Yeah, sometimes it's out of curiosity. Mm. I think that even my kids, they do that, you know. They know I tell them not to do something. But out of curiosity, I think all of us have it in us. We just want to know what happens if we do that bad thing. Mm. If it's really that bad. Mm. Or if it's that good. Or mm. how does it feel, you know. I really like how you approach it. Because in a way, you're not dismissing the person. Even though he's doing something bad you attribute it to curiosity. Yeah, I think we're all curious people. And the reason why we all did something bad was just because we just wanted to know. Mm. With my kids too, I always raise them, encourage them to try everything. I always even encourage my followers to try everything Mm. because I really feel like that is the way we learn. Mm. If you do something bad, you only know how bad it is when you do it. Mm. get it yeah but so you learn from it yeah yeah definitely. you're not necessarily a bad person no you're Mm-mm. just curious and even if you do an act of like bad deed or something you are not represented by that bad deed like Allah exactly. is more forgiving exactly I'm not saying that you know like sin and then like ask for forgiveness but I'm just saying that you know we are our we do make our own choices you know, we are individuals, so... Allah, you got to own your choices. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So the next question is where? 
where would be the best place to do a Pilates retreat? My opinion? Like your dream Pilates retreat. Sue retreat. It would have to be a retreat at a beach. A beach. Somewhere at the beach. Somewhere very secluded. Because mm-hmm. I personally love beaches. I grew up around beaches. California, Hawaii. And I just think it's such a very zen place. Mm. Pilates itself is not zen, I have to say. It's not like yoga. It's not zen or anything. But it's a lot of strengthening. I feel like an environment like that, though, really puts you in the mood mm. to... Um, to do any physical activity, yeah. Nice, at the beach. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, a uh, how? How is it like being a Lululemon ambassador? Oh, it's so nice. <laughs> <laughs> when you first I, like found news that you were chosen, how do you react? I Oh my God. I, I think, again, I was probably in denial because I couldn't believe that it happened. It was such a big thing for me because... I've always been a fan of Lululemon and I've always seen ambassadors and I was like, wow, what a dream to be an ambassador one day. When I found out the news, they actually called me in. In my head, I thought they wanted me to run in an event. And I said, yeah, sure, why not? And then they came out with this folder and said, congratulations, you're a Lululemon ambassador. So I'm very proud, actually, of being the first hijabi ambassador. That's a nice congratulations. Yeah, thanks. I'm very proud of that because I do know that a lot of people have this persona that Muslims don't work out because of the hijab. Yeah. Or they don't work out in public because of that. It is. Okay, it's very much a challenge that I have to work out in a hijab. And yeah, I have to cover Personally, I don't. Like, I just go to the all-female gym. Yeah, you yeah. have that, those choices too. Yeah, in Morocco, um, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say in Morocco. In the Middle East, they have a lot of that. Yeah, but, but I find in Malaysia, they don't have many of those. Mm-mm-mm. I actually tried to do all-women's... Um, um, classes and stuff but it, it didn't I don't know really yeah it wasn't as popular as I thought it was going to be interesting um, yeah that's very interesting and it came to be that I I felt like I really want to represent all the mm. hijabis out there yeah. to say hey you're you in can. a hijab but that shouldn't stop you yeah it shouldn't stop you from working out it shouldn't stop you from doing things that you enjoy doing yes it's hot the the best the gold thing is that when people come up to you you're like aren't you hot in that it's like of course i'm hot in it <laughs> but you know you end up learning to to work with it yeah um i i, I don't find this as an obstacle anymore mm. i actually tend to ignore it now mm. i tend i find that like the actual exercise in, is an obstacle yeah yeah but um yeah like i mentioned i i just love Fitness is my life. Yeah. When I was going through my depression, fitness got me through it. Mm. Uh, fitness, prayers, you know, my kids, they got me through it because the fitness helped me build up my confidence. Mm. And I always encourage anybody that's going through anything like really challenging in their life to find ways to increase your endorphins and mm. to like, you know, the happy pills, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, not those happy <laughs> pills, but like, I mean, like um, the, the happy hormone, happy isn't that what it calls? Yes. Yeah. Because um, it's just so, it's so gold. I mean, I, I felt like because I went through such a very depressing stage in my life and fitness got me out of it or through it, I encourage Everyone I encourage to everyone to do that. And that's why I love to teach fitness is because that you feeling, know, yeah, yeah that you know feeling. firsthand how it has helped you overcome things. Yes. And I would love, and that's why I'm fitness because I just love helping mm. people. You know, you always say like, be positive, be positive. And that I feel like can only happen it, it, it if you stages. back it up yeah. with like physical activities. I think it's true. Like if you keep your body moving, it has been scientifically proven. Like there was a TED talk about it. This Japanese lady, she was in a whole other field, but somehow she came across data that shows that exercise really can um, cure depression. Right. And she stopped her research and went into this one. And then after she gave it that thought, she was like, she was really funny. Okay, okay, I know you guys are nodding your head, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. But you just want me to tell you, all right, now just tell me how many minutes a week I have yeah. to work out so I can stay happy. <laughs> and then she was like, minimum 20 to 30 minutes at least three times a week right right yeah, yeah. So, so do you work out yeah i do cool. i actually do um and at the end of the, her ted talk she actually asked everyone to stand up and like do, do a five minutes workout oh okay, yeah it was cool, really nice cool. it was one of my favorite TED i talks. would say that i'm i'm actually addicted to working out i have to work out once a day every day yeah i mean and i'm not talking about it's not like intensive workout one day it could be yoga one day it could be more of um, the HIIT training. One day it could be weight training. One day another yoga or Pilates class. You know, mm. every other day it's um, it's something. something. Yeah. What advice would you give? Because you are a mother of four kids. And I think 
I forget this talking to you because you look nothing Aww. like a mother of four children. Uh, but what advice would you give to mothers who feel sluggish? Not so much as going back to their pre-pregnancy weight, but like just to feel more of themselves. Yeah, I think weight is a big thing. People keep comparing their weight to how they mm. were before. Yeah, I don't weigh the same as when I was 20, but I feel thousand times better mm. and the only reason why was because of these workouts um the way i see it is that there's so many challenges i mean different people go through different challenges but a lot of times is that you just i don't know sometimes you can have you can find a partner mm. uh, a friend that mm -hmm. will motivate will, you will motivate you to do it with them mm -hmm. um you can find any other way like me i have uh, some teenagers I actually lug them around with me <laughs> and i make them do it too they don't like me for it but I'm going to tell myself that they're going to thank me later. Mm. But they also look at it as alone time with me. Mm. Uh, so when you exercise with your children, they feel like a one-on-one. -on -one. Yes. like um, Because we want to just not encourage it through ourselves, but also through our kids as well. Mm. Um, if you have smaller children and you're stuck, you know, um, at home, always doing it, there's tons of YouTube channels saw, out there. I saw like baby wearing exercises. Tons, yeah. And again, it's hard. I'm going to be so honest. It's hard to get up and do it yourself. That's the part where I encourage to do it with your friends. Mm. The other, other friends that have babies and stuff too. Yeah. yeah. I think the main thing, let's take fitness out of the way, but like the main thing to help you get out of that sluggish feeling is to eat right. Mm. I think, I believe that is the foundation of everything. Yeah. If you work out five times a day, but eat McDonald's seven times a day, I mean, sorry, five times a week, but eat McDonald's seven times a week. It won't uh, it do won't much. Help. It won't yeah. do anything. It's just going to, you're back to square minus five. Like, no. uh, <laughs> you, that's the first time I heard of that term. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, you, I mean, the first step, if you're feeling sluggish and tired and, you know, it's just to eat right first. Mm. You'll feel better automatically. To be honest, like whenever I do feel lazy to work out and I feel sluggish, I'll, I'll just go to, sometimes I'll go to your Instagram page and just like, look, if you want to be 35 or 36 and you want to look as hot as her, you have to get your bum <laughs> off the couch and work out. Yeah. Yes, whatever can motivate you to get your <laughs> bum off the couch, that do it. Yes, but I know some people that do that. Yeah, they're yeah. just like, let's just go through Instagram. Feeds. Exactly. And mm. if she has like four kids, I have zero kids. Like, what is your reason, Ida, for not like getting We always mouth? tell ourselves we're too busy. We're too busy. We're too busy. Mm. But again, it's putting things in priority. Mm. Like, I mean, you're never too busy to eat. Exactly. You're never too, too busy, busy to Netflix. Yeah, but you're too busy to work out. Yeah. And um I I also will say that some people do tell me I find working out is very expensive. Mm. So true. I I I don't You got to buy the gear, you got to look good in it, you got to sign up to gym membership. For me, um I personally like group classes. I I don't do it without group classes cuz I am myself very I like being around people who, and working out with them instead of being at home, working mm -hmm. out by, by myself. I did th I feel like I do a much better job when I work out in a group. Mm. And it, it can be very costly. But mm -hmm. you have to compare it as to... Um, does it cost more than the medicine that you're gonna... That's why, you know? yeah, that's why I was gonna say. Like, if you maintain your health, like, think of all the medical bills that you're gonna yeah. save in the future. Yeah, definitely. You know? And yeah, eating healthy also is a very expensive thing. But again... I mean, it's worth it because yeah. it's for your health. Invest in yourself, basically. Yeah, exactly. I always think like you are like the internet's kaka, like your know, kaka, <laughs> the elder sister. Oh. <laughs> and um, I wanted to ask you like if you can give advice to younger women out there in three different areas. The first is on love. Love. What advice would you give on love? It could be as generic or as specific as possible. Ah, uh, okay. It's very generic and very cliche, actually. But advice on love, before you can love anybody else, your kids, your husband, family, whatever, you have to love yourself. Mm -hmm. And this is what I've learned over the years. It's not something that happens. It's not like it's literally something that you learn to do. Mm -hmm. Like I mentioned before, the way I learned to love myself was through fitness. Um, mm. You know, we went through it um, through fitness. I learned to love my body. I learned to love how Allah created, created me. You. Um, Pilates actually made me really appreciate the body. This is the reason why I stuck with this was because mm. that it wasn't just an exercise 
fitness uh, thingy for thing you. for me. When I was learning it, I was being taught how the body moves, how it connected, how um, what muscles are involved, how the bone structure is um, done. And wow. this made me really appreciate how Allah made our body. And I love teaching this to people because again, awareness, when people know this about their body, they're more careful. They're mm. more, they're more, um, they take care of themselves. They more. treasure themselves. Yeah. More. And the minute they start treasuring themselves and they start appreciating themselves, they start to love themselves and the confidence comes in. It's just this whole like mm. domino effect that I can't even describe. But I mean, it just goes straight to just loving yourself mm. first. You guys can't see this, but I can because I'm sitting in front of her. But whenever she speaks about Pilates or fitness, like you can tell her face really <laughs> lights up. <Aww>. Yeah. <laughs> so take the word from your kaka, okay? So that's on love. Really yeah. great advice. Um, what about an advice on starting out on your own? Like, because I consider you as an entrepreneur, you have obviously your Instagram game is very strong. Oh, okay. <laughs> so for people who want to start doing things on their own, like it doesn't have to be in terms of like social media or anything. It could be just setting up a small business on the side. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Any advice? Okay, you always hear that part where you have to love what you do. Mm. I find the most challenging thing is to find what you actually love to do. Mm. Um, but the minute you do find that, and again, I, I said it throughout the podcast, but the only way you can find that out is to try everything. Yeah, and you be actually, curious, right? Yeah, and you actually have to humble yourself because I think some people, you know, when I first got out of my divorce, it was very hard because I had to get a nine to five job. Oh, it, you went back to work? Yeah, I went to back to work. Oh. I got I was a teacher. Oh. Yeah, and I had to get a nine to five job. I mean, it wasn't exactly those hours, but you know what I mean? Yeah. It was like eight to ten hours a day mm. in an office. Mm. And um, although I loved the job, I found it very hard to be con constricted in an office. Mm. But it was something that I had to start off as. Mm. Um, you know, don't let the ego get in the way. Yeah. Just be like, you know what? Because it's hard for some, especially when you're just starting out. When you're just starting out. When you've been out of work, in my case, I was I was out of work for about 13 years. Mm. I was a real estate agent before. Mm -hmm. I was out of work for 13 years mm. and I was a stay-at-home mom. I knew nothing anymore. Nothing. Although I studied business administration and I studied nutrition, I knew nothing. It was like a baby going out yeah, in the real yeah. world again. I didn't yeah. know how how to do it. But I had to humble myself and start from the very beginning again. Mm. As I started from the very beginning again, I built my way up. I learned new things. I applied it. And um, over time, that's when I found my love, which was Pilates. Well, I always knew that, but I didn't realize that at that time. Mm. To me, it was like, okay, let's get a Pilates license because that's the only thing I can see. But I learned, again, to appreciate it. Mm. Um, you have to start from the bottom. Mm. It's your foundation. You cannot be an entrepreneur without going, through, yourself. going through all that. Yeah. You know, you cannot think that you can just start a business and be like, I'm going to be successful at it. Mm. Um they always say that you have to fail to succeed. And this is so true. That I failed is so, true. so many times. And success is is built. It's it's not something that comes. That's yeah. a very great one because I don't think I've ever heard someone answer that question in terms of like, well, you gotta be ready to start from the bottom. Yeah. I think that's a really like very um, important too. Yeah. It's a it's a reality check. It's definitely, yeah. Uh, like I said, it was but it it, it hurts your ego. It definitely hurts your ego, you know? And that's I, good for you. Yeah. I was, it humbles you. I was a stay-at-home mom. I had everything. I could buy anything. All of a sudden, I was a divorcee and I couldn't afford anything anymore. <laughs> I couldn't even, you know, I had to watch out what I bought. I had to not overpay. And, you know, before mm. I was just like, la-di-da, you know, but I had to live with it. I yeah. had to, I had to deal with the fact that, you know what, this is what it's like starting from the beginning. But then I learned to appreciate it mm. as time went by. Mashallah. Mm. Um, which is a great segue to like the third kind of like area that I would love to get your advice on. How do you ensure that your faith remains firm oh, and steady? This one, oh, it's so hard. <laughs> this one, I say it's such a subjective thing to say because the thing is, is that not everybody's continuously growing and growing up. Like mm. uh, not everyone's always like, yeah, I'm getting better. I'm getting, path. I yeah. feel like, you know, you, you step up, you step up, you step up. And sometimes you step down about five steps down, mm. but that's part of the learning process. I feel like, yeah. you know, um, I have to say that when I got a divorce, I definitely had this 
part of like, like, you know what? Like while I was going through my marital crisis, I was definitely like, oh, you know what? I don't want to pray anymore. I want to take the hijab off. I was, I just wanted to be a rebel. Mm. <laughs> I didn't want to pray anymore. You know, I, I wanted to go and, and have a drink and I wanted to, <laughs> I want okay, maybe perhaps eat pork again. I don't know, you know? be Chinese again. Yeah, yeah. I, I wanted to bring out the Chinese, you know? Like I just... I just didn't want to, not that I didn't want to be a Muslim anymore, but I just didn't want to follow the rules anymore. Mm. I was so sick of it. Mm. But when it came down to it, when I had a drink in my hand, I was so scared. <laughs> I was literally so scared. When I was able to miss a prayer and be like, you know what? I ain't going to pray today. I still pray because I was so scared. <laughs> like, what if I didn't pray? But I do have my downtimes where I'm just like, oh, for example, I'm busy at work and oh my God, I missed my prayer. You know, I've learned though over the years, remember that Allah's forgiving. Mm. He's never going to, you know, we are in a very judgmental society. Super. The minute we miss one prayer, one fast, one this, one that, we're just like, ooh, I'm going to tell Allah on you. No, you know, like <laughs> we're, we're so judgmental towards each other and towards ourselves. Yeah. But we forget how forgiving Allah is. Mm. So I actually listened to this talk one day where this guy, he was saying, um, like, which really, I mean, not that I do this, but he was talking about, you know what, like, if you drink, you know how they say, like, if you had alcohol in your system. Oh, your prayer won't be valid for yeah, 40 for days or something. Yeah, for certain hours. What happens is that um, I, I experienced this not through myself, but like through friends and stuff that they actually felt like, oh, I don't want to bother to pray anymore because you know what? Like I, I drank last night, yeah. and, you know, and then over time they, they just, they don't, just they didn't pray praying. anymore. Yeah. But um, this guy, this sheikh was mentioning that, you know, don't, don't think that way. Just pray. Mm. And like I said, I mentioned before, prayers help yeah, me through I remember. everything. If you can't pray, you make dua. Yeah. And that is literally something that I never let go of. Mm. And that is something that I always felt got me through everything. Every even every hardship that I'm going through right now. If I can't pray and make dua, if I can't make dua, then ask my kids to make dua for me. Like, you know, <laughs> it was just it's just um it's just important to surround yourself mm. in you know, to I practically understand. drown yourself in prayers yeah. and duas. Because I don't think I could have been here without all that. Without prayers. Yeah. Definitely. I think that's beautiful. I think, Suleyma, I think I have to come back and do another second or third episode. Because <laughs> I feel like we barely scratched the surface. <laughs> but I always try to end the podcast recording with one question that I ask my guests. And that is, if you have a word for the year, what would be your word? Oh, man. This requires a lot of thinking. <laughs> what is the word? Yeah. I would have to say persistence persistence yeah that's a great one and also very true to your pilates instructor yeah. character <laughs> yeah but for me it's more like persistence and prayers persistence in everything like mm. consistency even mm. actually maybe that should have been the word um <laughs> but i i just think that we can succeed in anything once if we, we persist that. mm, that's yeah. true so this is not just for 2020. It's actually for the rest of my life. Inshallah, because I mean. being in the situation I am in, I feel like I have no choice but to have to be, be that persistent. way. Yeah, be persistent and keep going. I do admit that like I sometimes I feel like I should give myself a break, but it's just really hard. <laughs> mm. I think you have your breaks when you work out. Yes. Because that's your that therapy. That's my time. That's, that's your definitely my time. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So thank you so much, Suleen, for inviting me to your home, for being trusting enough to share. Aww, most welcome. Yeah. And welcome. Um, thank I, you again. I, no problem. I really pray that you'll continue to be this beacon of light in the community. Oh, mashallah. Yeah, and to use your voice to spread awareness, like you said. Yeah. Um, and I pray that your four beautiful children to grow up to be just as great as you are and even more. Mashallah. And may they always be the coolness of your eyes. I mean, inshallah. I mean, so thank you so very much Thanks. for being this episode. Um, and with that, we'll catch you guys in the next one, inshallah. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode guys I hope you took away a new idea A new perspective Or maybe even got you in the mood To do some soul reflection inshallah There's so much more good stuff Coming up on the Ida Azlin show So be sure to follow And only if you want to You can also share this episode All over the internet You'll make my day if you do if you want to hear more from me, I also write a love letter 
every Tuesday to over 60,000 ladies from all around the world and I'd love for you to join us. To subscribe for free, you can go on over to aidaazlin.com and enter your email address and inshallah, the following Tuesday, you'll get your first love letter from me delivered straight to your inbox. Once again, this podcast is proudly sponsored by AA+, the premium monthly membership program for curious seekers. Here's what some of the girls have to say about it. Hidayah says, You know what, Aida? I unsubscribe Netflix because I think AA+, is way better than it. I really enjoy AA+, it's worth my money and my time. Kina says, never regretted joining AA+. I love all of the content and I've seen a lot of progress within me ever since I joined the community. I feel extremely blessed to be able to listen, to read and to learn from all of the content being shared on AA+. If you guys want to join Hidayah and Kina and the rest of the AA+, champions, or if you want to know more about AA+, simply head on over to aaplus.co and let us take care of the rest. And with that, thank you guys once again. I'll see you guys very soon, inshallah. Bye!